Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how do you feel about people who go exactly the speed limit? Drives me nuts. Yeah. They need to get out of my way. I get a little anxious when I'm behind those people and... Maybe in some ways I'm like, do they really do they cause more harm than good? Yeah, yeah, more frustration. So if you're a speed like I'm a dot kind of person, I'm sorry, but you're not. Just just a little more pressure on that pedal. Just a little just bit. A little not bit. saying you gotta go ninety. So anyway, uh, it's been a little bit. It's been a while. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff going on, um, which we'll talk about some of it. I was on vacation for a while. Aaron getting ready for his wedding. My wife having to have a fairly extensive surgery. So, yeah, it's been been busy. Yes, yes. But we're back. Yep, we're trying to be back more often. I know we make promises a lot, but we'll try to show you. With summer around the corner, well, hopefully around the corner. You never know in in this area, but uh, we should have a little more time. Yeah, you're not going to work most of the summer. Not at school, though. Not at the golf course. Yeah. Your true passion. Have a little more fun. Yeah. Yes. I guess we can get started on. Yeah, probably. With so much drama in the LBC, it's hard being Snoop D-O-double-G. What's up, guys? Of course, it is James coming to you from the Little Apple in Appleton, Wisconsin. Nobody calls it that here. Just a name I throw once in a while. I might start now. Yeah. <laughs> so with me, as always, is the only person I would ever duet Islands in the Stream with. The guy whose upcoming marriage will definitely last longer than Britney Spears' 2004 marriage to Jason Alexander of 55 Hours. Aaron Rohde. I appreciate the confidence. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to set that benchmark. I'm like, you can at least hit that. I'd have to try not to. <laughs> yeah, I had read an article about that. That's what spawned this, where essentially, uh, like, a bunch of lawyers and her family swarmed in and bullied them into annulling it, and they actually, like, wanted to stay together at that time, and they had a lot of promises were made, and um, obviously that didn't go through. And here we are, one head shave later. Somebody should write a book on that. Oh, I'm sure she will. Maybe we should do that. And I think it's kind of odd that she keeps, essentially, like every time I load up the news, it's 
like here's a Britney Spears goes topless, and then it's essentially her in some sort of like underwear or bra covering her breasts and running around on the beach or something like that. It's like one of those uh, Florida man does X kind of articles you always see too. Yeah, and she's usually like gyrating and trying to look sexy, and I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I don't want to like, see just it. give up. It's yeah, like Metallica, like, just give it up. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> um, anyway, moving <laughs> on. So we got a pretty, pretty hefty episode. We got a bunch of news. We got stuff to talk about with Snoop Dogg, of course, because Snoop Dogg's doing what Snoop Dogg does. Yeah, he's he's something. Yeah, yeah. We we love the dog father. I think Martha Stewart might have been his downfall, the start of his downfall. Yeah, they're besties, right? Yeah. So a lot of weed with each other. Yeah, so I've heard. I wouldn't that I wouldn't be surprised if she did. She uh, strikes me as the type of person that probably does do stuff like that and hides it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, hey, you know what? I wasn't gonna be like, let's talk about Snoop first, but we're talking about him already, so let's just keep that party rolling. <laughs> so if you've been following our show. <laughs> So if you have uh, been following our show, it wasn't that long ago that Snoop Dogg bought Death Row Records. Obviously, this is the place where uh, NWA, Easy, I think Tupac originally. Yeah, I think his first or maybe his first two albums were, yeah, were Death Row releases. Right. So once these guys kind of got to a level of success, NWA kind of went off on their own direction with Suge. Is that, did I say that right? Shug. Shug, I'm sorry. I, honestly, he doesn't sound like a very good person, so I don't really care if I upset him. Uh, so, no. this, so this is where these guys kind of blew up to a point even more so. Um, I didn't really follow what happened with the label, like how it fell apart, mm-hmm. but I'm sure like anything, they all went off on their own direction, and some, some big company bought them and then let them, let them drown. Yeah, that's my understanding. It always kind of amazed me how many hip-hop artists kind of broke off and started their own record labels. Right, and many of them had no idea how to do that. (laughs) Right. So anyway, uh, Snoop, of course, pulled off all of the classic NWA, or not NWA, his classic albums. I think it's Chronic and Chronic 2001, Tupac's first album. Um, I didn't. I didn't look if the Straight Outta Compton was on there. I'm just checking right now. Yeah, if that's on there. Anyway, I'll keep going while you it's, look that up. It's great show prep, everybody. <laughs> yeah, solid. So solid. Straight Outta Compton is still uh, up on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that's probably because there's a... so is the Chronic, I believe. Is it? I thought it was oh, off. It's not. Yeah, I thought that he pulled that off like last. He pulled that one, but 2001 is still available. I don't think 2001's a death row, though. No, it? that's probably a um, Interscope would be my guess. Right, and I and I'm sure uh, you know Dre's probably like sure Snoop whatever you want to do. Right. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Snoop was on a series of podcasts. The first one we're going to talk about is uh, Drink Champs. Uh, the following will be a direct quote from him when asked about his NFT projects. Here we go. First thing I did was snatch all. the all the music off those platforms traditionally known to people because those platforms don't pay. He goes on to say, and those platforms get millions and millions of streams and nobody gets paid other than the record labels. 
So what I wanted to do is snatch my music off, create a platform similar to Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. It will it be it, it'll it'll be death row app, and music in the meantime will live in the metaverse. So we about that. I actually don't mind the idea of doing like a death row app kind of thing and making them all available that way. Uh, I actually. I think that's kind of a creative idea. But it needs to be budgeted for an appropriate amount considering the extremely limited amount of music that's going to be on there. Compared right. I'm not going to go out and pay more than a few bucks a month for that kind of thing. Yeah, like, i, I got to be honest with you. If, it's, if we're not looking at 2 or $3 for just that a month, I don't think that that's very good value. I don't even know if I would do it a month. I would make it a one-time fee and then distribute funds off of streams but i i don't know the logistics behind how you do that you know these guys will these figure guys it will, out somehow they'll build they'll, they'll monthly there's no way they're not they're right. not going to because he, these ones that he cited are monthly yeah or he, or honestly like if he did a partnership with one of these places because i feel like amazon would do this where it's like an upgrade yeah where you where you, like included with prime or something like right, that right yeah. And then that would take a lot of the work out, but no. Is this going to bring back the concept of like mixtapes <laughs> where you you pay for it for a month, play it all and record it somehow, and then you have it? I think it'll be like probably like the Nintendo Switch Online where you get the base model and then you got to pay for expansions is what I would be thinking. But who knows? Snoop's going to do what Snoop does. Right. All right. So next, um, he was on a different podcast called Full Send Podcast. This is another direct quote. Picture me taking one of my classic records that you love to death and you are always cherished it and it means so much to you. Now you have the right to buy it and own it and trade it to make money off of it. He continued, now you actually own a piece of Snoop Dogg's legacy as opposed to I have a copy of a CD that I lost. Now you actually own something that's actually yours and you can profit off of it. I just feel that's where the industry is headed. Being in it for so many years, 30 years strong, my fans coming to the show show up for me, me charging them for everything, t-shirts, concerts, this, that, but not giving them shit back. That don't, sorry, he did not say that. Don't sit right with me. When asked why he was the only one in the music industry to have this level of commitment to Web3 technologies. Snoop said, he's just the first to do it. He's his own boss, and he doesn't need the label head permission. Which I get. Um, he's trying to pioneer something here. I personally don't think that's where the music industry is headed. But if he believes that and is very strong with that, I guess he can take it and run with it. The whole having a piece of his legacy that lives online in the metaverse just doesn't make sense to me truthfully so there's a couple things that i take issue with here in this last segment so first of all he said i had to have a copy of this cd i lost i think he doesn't really grasp the concept that most cars don't have cd players right. anymore anything newer um on top of that i think that if he's talking about somebody that would lose a CD 
I think that that's a pretty casual music fan. Right. I don't think that's somebody who actually cares about the music. Right. And I don't think this is somebody that's going to seek out Death Row's music. This is probably a guy that's like, oh, a guy or girl. I like Snoop Dogg. I'm going to buy this CD. I'm going to sit on I'm going to listen to it once in a while. Or if something comes on, they'll listen to it. But they're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to some Snoop. Right. So that tells me he doesn't understand the fan base. Right. The... So for me, and those of you who listen know I like Chance the Rapper quite a bit, I think the way he does things is more how the music industry is headed. He doesn't charge for copies of his albums or mixtapes or anything. He releases all of his music for free, and he makes the majority of his money off of shows, off of merchandise, touring, sponsors, all that kind of stuff. I think that is more where the music industry is heading. Yeah, I mean, we got these pay-to-stream stuff that's popular, like Netflix, Hulu, and all of that. So, um, I don't... I mean, I know that CDs are making a little bit of resurgence, not quite at the level of vinyl, just retro media in general, because people are big, yeah. buying cassette tapes. Like, the new Black Keys album that came out, you know, uh, recently, you can get a, get a cassette tape of that. So people are just kind of into into collecting. But I think someone who buys a CD is probably not going to listen to it a lot. They'll probably buy it to collect it. And if they jump in their car, they're probably going to stream something off their phone. And probably if they're buying a Snoop Dogg CD right now, they're buying it to keep it sealed in the hopes that it's going to spike in value in the next 10 years. Right. And then also, too, he's talking about how... You can own something and you can basically profit off of it. Honestly, I if you look at NFTs right now, they're crashing terribly. Yeah. Um, there are a few instances of some bands that have you know made some money off of direct sales through fans, which I think is ultimately what Snoop Dogg cares about. But NFTs as a whole are tanking, and they're tanking bad. Yeah. So I think Snoop's kind of burning some bridges with his fan base a little bit. Um, I'm not going to buy an NFT. I'm not going to sell it. If I'm buying something, I'm going to keep it. The other thing you got to look at is what do you think the average fan of some, or the average age of like the OG Death Row fans are? They're not my age or younger. I think, you know, they're probably my age, a little older. Are those the people that are into the NFTs and the metaverse and all that kind of stuff? No. Right. No, so. I don't think they care at all about it. I know I don't. I don't. Right. Um, I mean, I think you look at NFTs, but if you've ever seen the movie Ready Player One, you know, like if, if that yeah. were to be successful, I think that's the direction we'd all be heading. Mm-hmm. We'd all just live in this computer world and our dumpy places that we actually live in. Right. We buy avatars, and I think it just kind of comes down to this whole instant gratification thing where nobody wants to put the work in and just wants to be what they are. Right. So, and then also, too, I think he's kind of forgetting too that people who truly love music and are really care very much about the sound of it they're not going to care about a souped up mp3 they're going to want vinyl and they're going to want to listen to themselves and most people don't care about different album artwork and and all that kind of stuff right now either right but i will say um i had recently gone to guitar center because i found out they had copies of doggy style there and one of the few places that's not selling it for ridiculously high. And they were super nice there. But these were all Canadian presses. They had, the label was ripped on the record. 
on the inside, and then there was what I would call as ninja star scratches on one side because they were uniform and they were coming off. There's four of them. So that tells me that Canada really kind of had been rushing pressing these records because they weren't like a, a movement scratch. It was looked like it was from some sort of equipment. Nice. Yeah, that's not what you want to see. So then I got them to send two more copies from a different location. Those two copies were also damaged in that same manner. So it's a batch issue. Then I had also ordered a copy of it from a guy online, still paid retail, and I got a copy from him from somewhere completely else. Same same issues. Yeah. But thankfully the Ninja Star pattern on the back was not as deep, so I kept it. Just because I clearly I'm not gonna find a good copy of this anytime in the near future. <laughs> right. I think I got very lucky picking mine up when I did. Right. So here's this if you work at one of these places, slow down. Um, I think people are rushing too much to keep up with demand. If you work in a record company, you know, company like a place that label like Sony or BMG or whatever, you guys need to build some more plans. And also send us free things. And send us free things because we know <laughs> people at these huge companies. Right. Those. Yes. <laughs> so enough about Snoop Dogg. So let's jump into the news, my good sir. Yes. Lots so, of it. So Tuesday, May 17th, the New York Senate approved a bill that would limit prosecutors' use of song lyrics and other forms of creative expression as evidence in criminal cases. Senate Bill S-7527 would not ban prosecutors from presenting lyrics or other material to a jury, but would require them to show that the work is literal rather than figurative or fictional. Public support included uh, Jay-Z, Meek Mill, Killer Mike, Fat Joe, Who's the most gangster person you could think of in the world? Like actual gangster? Musician-wise. Still alive. Nope. That would support this. Oh, no no hints. Um, Jay-Z? I said Jay-Z already. Did you? Robin Thicke. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Son of a uh, classic 80s actor, Alan Thicke. When I think gangster, that's that's who I think of. No, no, I don't think of him at all. Um, I, I think this is great. Um, honestly, you know, anybody who's been a fan of, say, 90s hip-hop or 90s rap music, talking about drive-bys, selling drugs and stuff like that. Anything that's a little aggressive. Some, yeah. of, some of it's obviously fake, and, you know, I don't think that that's probably something we should be able to do. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Even you go and look at, you know, things like, violent video games and stuff like that like the grand theft auto series things like that i mean those people who write those stories don't most likely don't believe that's what you should be doing but it's it's creative it's a story you know i mean why should that be used against somebody yeah for sure so i um last i saw this bill hadn't been put into action yet but it was looking like it was probably probably going to happen and Honestly, I hope other places in the country kind of follow suit. I would agree. So kind of rumor on the street, uh, BMG and Warner Music are both fighting to buy Pink Floyd's catalog. This is a band that's been around for six decades, and reportedly, if uh, Pink Floyd were to accept, whoever ends up winning this would um, end up getting five hundred, paying out $500 million. Which is just insane. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of people like Billy Joel and, you know, any number of other artists, Bruce Springsteen, doing this. I don't I don't know that Pink Floyd's going to probably do this or not. Are they still touring? Yeah. They are? Okay. Yeah, I think, I think they're actually working on an album. I feel like if they're still touring, if they're still working on new music, I don't know why this makes sense to do this. Well, I think what a lot of these companies are doing is, I think the original plan was probably NFTs. But I think nowadays they're doing like deluxe color variants. Like you go to Walmart right now and you can find all they of, have tons of exclusive colors. And like stuff. Billy Joel's classic albums. Well, they had all the Metallica ones in different colors and all that kind of stuff too. Right. So I think that's kind of where this is going at this point. We want exclusive rights to publish certain artists. Um, I, if I were doing it, I don't know. I don't think I would probably sell my catalog if I was a classic well-known artist. It's hard to say no to five hundred million, though. Right. I don't know. But I think. I think. I think that would be my legacy, and I want my children. To well, decide you look at um, the lead singer from CCR. What's his name again? But he, uh, he didn't Fogarty, have, Fogarty, um, John. John Fogarty. Yes. But he didn't have the rights to any of his music. For he still does, and I think he's got like a year or two yet. Yeah, and why would you want to give that up? As he creators? got screwed. He got screwed. That's a different deal, though. Um, he, got, he, he, got a, he got a bad be, deal. Yeah, well, yeah. But Pink Floyd would kind of be doing that right now, too. They wouldn't be able to publish anything if they sell it off to to these people. I'm sure it'd be a thing where, you know, it'd be their back catalog, and if anything else they would release, they would probably just keep. Yeah. And I think some of these bands, too, like, make an agreement where they can continue to... Um, Do what they want with it. Play, play, pu- it. play publicly yeah. with it. Which these record labels obviously want someone still out playing this music. Sure. All right. So this is kind of a interesting one. Uh, back in April, the European officials voted to support a proposal to require Apple and all technology clients to adopt the USB-C standard. This would affect their entire line, including AirPods and any induction charging. Uh, suppose this improved battery life and charging. Um, I'm generally not opposed to that. I don't understand why Apple has been so resistant. It's been proven that like their lightning charging is not as good. Uh, I, I think mean, it's about time to do this. And right. Make this switch. And then mixed families like you, where you yes. have Apple and your soon-to-be wife has Android. Just the weird thing to me is wireless chargers still work with both. Yeah. Like she, uh, Melissa's got a wireless samsung charger and it still charges my iphone right i don't use it all that much but i mean if you're doing that why not just just it's not that big of a change yeah i got induction charging in my car so i got like a tray where i just leave my phone on it works pretty good i mean you can you can keep it white keep it the same color keep it with the apple look it's just yeah just a different port it's not yeah and i would assume they would change their entire line because honestly I can't imagine they're going to just do a European market search on the phone. Right. Or, or headphones. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I love Apple, but I, I'm not with them on this, and I hope this change does, in fact, happen. I agree. So, one of the hottest music genres is predicted to generate more than $1 billion it's in gangster revenue. rap, right? Oh, totally. No. <laughs> uh, $1 billion in the 12 months of 2022, according to Music Business World. That is, of course, Latin music. I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't either. I uh, I think that just kind of goes to show that um, our country is kind of 
becoming more culturally diverse, which and is good. I think it's really cool. I used to watch um, the show Songland when that was on NBC, and they had Luis Fonsi on, who is um, the, the guy who sings Despacito. And they did a huge piece on um, Latin American music and how big it is down there and how it's slowly kind of making its way into American pop culture, and I'm all for it. Yeah. I think, I think it's awesome. Yeah, the R R I A A, that is the Recording Industry, I think it's Association of America, uh, put forth the current numbers and said that Latin music is currently sitting at about Eight hundred and eighty-six point one million dollars, and here we are, still in the first half of the year. Right. So I think that that uh, one billion dollar projection probably a little low. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's a good chance. I think they will break that pretty, uh, pretty easily here. This is, of course, due to huge releases like uh, Bad Bunnies, and I'm gonna butcher this. Un Verado Sinti. Uh, this album opened at number one with the equivalent of. $274,000 in sales in the U.S. This is the biggest opening day for any album so far. And you want to know what? The next one behind that was one of Bad Bunny's other albums. Is that the one that's a bunch of letters just kind of? I think so. He is Spotify's most streamed artist for two years straight. That's crazy. And I'm going to be honest with you. I listened to him once or twice. Um, I really found the music quite good. See, now if I asked you... Who do you think the top streamed artist on Spotify was last year? Who would your guess have been? I would have probably guessed, I would have guessed somebody dumb like Taylor Swift or something. Yeah, I would have said like Ed Sheeran or I know Justin Bieber was up there for a while. Too. Yeah, I would have picked some mainstream pop artist that I don't listen to. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. He's been very outspoken in the fact that he won't record any of his albums in English. Um, I, I kind of out of respect for Latin music mm-hmm. and. I, I, I think that's great. Yeah, and I don't think he should have to. I mean, he's proven that you know he's one of the more popular artists in the world, so do you. you right. Be who you are. Right. You just got to do you, man. Yep, for sure. And and honestly, I had looked at potentially getting him for you for one of the record picks in the future. Which wouldn't have been bad. I don't know if I've ever really listened to him, but I know everybody loves him. We'll keep that in mind. Speaking of record picks, we got some sad news. Yeah. Our local record store at the time of recording this has already shut down. About a week and a half ago, about two weeks ago, somewhere in there. Something like that. So the exclusive company, a Wisconsin staple for 66 years with multiple locations, uh, their founder, um, he's got a longer last name, but he was affectionately referred to by the public as Mr. G. Mm-hmm. He died last year. Um, I want to say it was something like six or seven locations throughout the country, one of which being in our town of Appleton. Not throughout the country, throughout the state. Um, and they had an audio portion where they sold stereos and stuff like that at several of their locations. So it was shutting down. So that was obviously an extremely depressing day. I went the first day of their sales, and it was the fullest I had ever seen the store. I heard it cleared out very quickly. Yeah, I went in not long before it closed, and I'll just say I have more records than they had there. Yeah, which is, I'm glad that they got rid of and moved most of them before they had to shut down. It was hard, too, because the manager, I went up to him, and I said, this fucking sucks that you're shutting down, and he looked like he was going to cry. Yeah. 
And as you very well know, he's not an emotional guy. He's and he's been the manager there for like 30 years or something. He's been there a long time. Oh, I remember being intimidated as heck by him in high school when I would go on there because, you know, it was the record store. It was all these cool people working there and yep. stuff. So he's been there a long time. So, um, you know, I think it's really unfortunate. I think ultimately what this comes down to is I think his Mr. G's family just didn't want to run it. Which, I mean, I can't blame them. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's not it's the a lot, same without them. It's a lot of jobs yeah. and stuff that were lost. So, But, hey, we've got another record store coming. We were kind of hoping they would stay open as a, you know, independent, but that didn't uh, that didn't come to be. Yeah, the estimation online is about $100,000. <clears> yeah. So, um, about a half hour away from us is another city called Oshkosh. Um, you may know that from Oshkosh Bagash. Yes. So, and then if you ever watched that 70s show, that show took place in a fictional town in the greater Oshkosh area is what yeah. it says. Mm-hmm. So they talked about it once, Oshkosh once in a while. Yeah. So um, they have a store there called Eroding Winds, and they are opening up a Appleton location. And they recently announced where that'll be, and it's pretty dang close to my house. It's yeah. about halfway between our houses. Yeah, which, which would be nice. I think they... Shooting for an August open is what Mid I July. Mid July, okay. The uh, manager interacted with me on Facebook and said that. Oh, that's awesome. So he said that's the goal there. They will not be open for the next record store day. So you and I got to talk about that. We're going to probably go to Oshkosh. Is that in June? Yeah, yeah I think it's June 18th, if I remember correctly. The nice thing is, though, they don't do that like 6 a.m. thing. So we they don't... take a list, don't they? And you yeah, like, there's check a... the ones that you want and they pull them. There's a certain time. They go out, they get give you paper, you fill out what you want, and then they go in, and then at that point, I think your spot's kind of locked in place, and they go down the line in that order and sell you what was on the list that they had. So, that's real nice. Speaking Look at Record Store Day, did you make it to any in Tennessee? I did not. Um, long story short, um, there was some snafus with our flights, and... They were delaying it, and then we would have missed our um, layover flight, and we went back and forth, and we were talking about going to have a rental car, and all kinds of terrible, terrible things. So I missed out on the one record that I really, really wanted, which was Sarah Bareilles' Little Voice. Still going for 90 to upwards of $300 online, so that's incredibly disappointing. So... If you got a copy of that and you want to sell it to me for a reasonable markup, hit me up. I'll, I'll buy it from you. Neither of us were able to hit Record Store Day. I um, went online um, shortly after because on Sunday, a lot of the places, um, actually this is Eric, our fan Eric's uh, recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, big shout out, love you, man. Um, he posted a site that will sell them at a certain time and they weren't very busy. So I got online. I put that record in my cart, and then I proceeded to pick two other ones, and by the time... You lost it. I lost time. it. So had I checked out immediately with just that... You probably would have got it. Right. It was uh, Plaid, Plaid Room Records. Um, I oh, think they were... Right. I did see him post that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they had a limit on quantities of things, which was unfortunate. Yeah. So I'm sure Scalpers bought it. But I got the other... I got Jackson 5, and then there was a Doctor Who record set. I haven't listened to Doctor Who yet, but it's a story. That Jackson 5 was one that I was having my eye on, too. But oh, that's good. It's blue. Can't, you can find it easily. Oh, right. 
And I think that was. I think that was a record store day first, not an right. They're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna re-release it. Hundred yeah. percent. So let's talk about Tennessee. Yeah. So I went to Nashville, Tennessee. That place where they call it Music City, I believe, is the logo. Logo. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, lots of good country artists, country bars, live music. So what do you think it was? I mean, from what I heard, it was awesome. I took a lot of photos. <laughs> Um, so first thing I understand, if you ever go to Nashville, um, it is hands down probably the coolest city if you're a music fan I've ever seen in my life. Uh, music is not just a thing there. Music is literally a way of life. I saw so many cool things. Um, probably one of my favorite things I saw was, uh, the Ryman. Uh, this is the original site of the Grand Old Opry and now a concert venue. That literally had its uh, start being essentially a church in the 1800s. That Margot Price album, that live album, I think that was recorded at the Ryan Man, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was. So I, I, I got to go on stage and stand where she was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it was a tabernacle is what it originally was. Okay. Um, as the story goes, it was kind of a, a booze and drinking kind of city. Mm-hmm. A gentleman came to come save everyone. Like the guy that was in charge of all the riverboats and and essentially all the drinking and stuff, mm-hmm. found God. They built that uh, what would be the tabernacle there, so um, the religious figure could stay there. And then years later, they renamed it uh, Ryman after the gentleman who was the captain of all the riverboats. That's awesome. And then home to the Grand Ole Opry, many famous artists, Johnny Cash, all kinds of modern artists had played there. Uh, still, they still go there. Um, so that was cool. Um, I did ultimately end up going over to the Grand Ole Opry. If you go to Nashville, I, I, I don't think it's bad to go to the Grand Ole Opry. However, it's essentially a citadel, citadel to modern country music. And the Ryman really kind of stands tall in honor of classic country. Mm-hmm. I found the Ryman to be far more interesting and far more enjoyable. But everybody at the Opry is very nice. I think that's got a more more of a classic feel to it that's you know not the big huge theater that the Grand Ole Opry has turned out to be exactly um my other favorite thing I went to in Music Row they have the classic RCA Studio B which was at the time um when he was around one of Elvis's favorite places to record I stood in the spot where there'd been an X on the floor which is where he always stood because it was his favorite spot because the acoustics were so good. That's awesome. I saw the piano that he wanted to buy from them, but they refused to sell it to him because they wanted him to keep coming. That's cool. There's all kinds of interesting stories. There were uh, red, blue, and green lights in the ceiling that Elvis had installed. Um, The red lights would be for when he was playing, I think, more of a a kind of sultry, kind of rocky type song. The green, I want to say, was for Christmas. And then when he would play, he'd have all kinds of decorations in there, like Christmas stuff. And the blue was kind of like the slower stuff. Trying to get him in the right mood for things. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he had all kinds of interesting stories. Um, I don't want to cheat you, because if you ever go there, it's very impactful. But one of the cool things I'll say about that studio, uh, the tour guide was like, Jack White was here last week recording a music video. So I got back to the hotel, I loaded it up, and sure as heck, 
Jack White Sandler played music literally right where I was standing. That's cool. That so that cool. was that was awesome. A lot of history, a lot of cool things there. I cannot recommend that enough. Um, music Row, where most of the studios are, used to be a neighborhood. So a lot of the recording studios are actually houses these days. Which has got to give it a cool feel. Yeah, it's not uncommon to see, I guess, to see like Garth Brooks walking around. Taylor Swift's got a place there. Um, that was that was real, real cool. Uh, talking about the Country Music Hall of Fame, that was just awesome. So many classic guitars and things like that. Just loved every minute of it. And then the bars. So I hear they're nice and affordable. <laughs> Far from it. I'm, we'll get to that in a minute. So they have a street um, that essentially looks almost like Vegas. It's got all these classic signs, neon lights. And every one of those bars is open at 10 a.m. There's a live band playing in them until like 2 or 3 in the morning. Which is awesome. And these bands far exceed anything in our local town. At one point, you know, one of the singers was jumping through these giant windows and dancing with people out on the street in front of the place. Yeah, you don't see that around here. No, there's stage presence. He would later, they did two Eminem songs. Yeah. And the band had never heard these songs. And they listened to it, and after about a minute or two, they played it really well. Oh, that's cool. Right. That's awesome. But as Aaron alluded to a minute ago, it is an expensive city. Yeah. So the cups that they give you are tiny for booze, and they charge more than we do here. Now, here in Wisconsin, we like to drink. Yes. We're good at it. We do it like it's our job. And we do it affordably. We do it affordably. Yeah. So these cups were tiny. Like, if I went there to get intoxicated... I would have probably went to a liquor store and bought a bottle and drank quite a bit before I went to these bars. Yeah. But the music, the music was so good. Mm-hmm. How was the FGL bar? Did you go in that one? The one in Georgia Line? I did not. I walked yeah. by it multiple times, however. Yeah. I hear good things about that one. Um, it was, odd, it was oddly on a side street. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't on the main drag. A lot of the, the big country artists have bars that they at least have their names on. I don't know how involved they are. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of them. So, so what we got left? Reviews. Yeah, things are flying. <laughs> you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I go first. Okay. You, I forgot what I even picked for you. It's been that long. My Chemical Romance. Oh, that's right. I. Uh, oh man, that's what I forgot. I wanted to go back and get a copy for myself because the one I got is etched for you, isn't it? Yeah, it was like an yeah. alternate cover yeah. and everything. Yeah, I meant to go get a, a copy of that, and I didn't. If you're going to buy it, I would do it soon, just because they just released more songs, so I'm sure everyone's going to get nostalgic and go and buy all their stuff up. So, uh, My Chemical Romance, welcome to the Black Parade. My Chemical Romance is an American rock band formed in Newark, New Jersey, uh, forming in 2001 and remaining active until 2013. My Chemical Romance left quite a legacy in a short window. That being said, they um, did release some new stuff recently. So much so that when they scheduled a reunion show December 20th of 2019, it sold out in four minutes despite high prices. And then got canceled. I or didn't, postponed. I didn't catch that. Yeah. It very well could be. Um, the very album I'm going to review today, The Black Parade, was cited as inspiring numerous musicians that follow them. Prior to Aaron uh, putting this album in my hands, the I thought the only 
song I'd ever heard was the title track. If I'm being honest, though, I doubt that I ever really was ever paying attention to the song. The first thing you need to understand about this album is there are some great songs on it. If you if you uh, just pick it up and jump around, you'll certainly find stuff that you like. This album really shines as one whole piece of work. With so many recurring themes and topics that intertwine this album builds, sit back and prepare yourself for a wild ride of loss, emotion, pain, and in-your-face unapologetic rock music. Uh, leaving Aaron's house after we last recorded, I was enamored by this album's art. James Jean's work on this album jacket carries so much weight and gravity, I could spend almost an entire review talking about it. The concept for the album centers around the band's vocalist Gerard Way's belief that in death you are surrounded by your fondest memories. For this album, we follow The Patient, someone who recently died of cancer, and his fondest memory was going to see a marching band as a child. So each song you hear is either a memory from his life or a time in the hospital. The first track you were met by the sound of a uh, man you, you may have heard many times on medical shows. It's a cardiac monitor beeping with someone's heartbeat. An acoustic guitar and light piano kick in within seconds. Admittedly, with my knowledge of the band, I wasn't expecting this style to open up. Gerard's voice, on the other hand, was what I was expecting. Anytime a band that is associated with what people call emo, you have an idea of what you're going to hear vocally. About 40 seconds in, I'm hooked. The album's first actual song, Dead with an exclamation mark, develops an overwhelming buildup on par with the great theatrical rock bands of the 70s. Then after a few seconds, it's gone. They proceed to tease you like this a few times, back and forth, when you're hearing it. I'm blown away by this. Their level of control and timing usually it takes bands years to develop this. The latter half of the song is more what I would expect from a punk band. It's still well done, still very polished, just not surprising. Seamless genre blending is masterful. The almost Judas Priest guitars and drumming from This Is How I Disappear provided a nice change of sound on track three. Gerard is living up to his emo label, but he loses a little bit of the angst, leaving us with more of a mature tone. I say confidently that he could keep up with most metal singers, at least ones that you can actually understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Track five is the most popular single and the title from the album, Welcome to the Black Parade. This is a hard song to do justice to. This song is just an instant classic, from the opening somber piano to the heartfelt, lament, lamenting lyrics of the patient. Reliving his most fond childhood memories, it's hard not to feel something. It's just the kind of thing that makes you want to put down your Facebook phone and be more present in your daily life and maybe even call everyone in your family and tell them how much you love them. I like to compare that song to, well, I like to call it Modern Days Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. The use of snare drum in the intro to the song is reminiscent of a marching band and adds a nice touch. We will again see another well-timed theatrical buildup at the beginning of the song, before several minutes of the song, the best color pop I have heard in years. The latter part of the song takes a more positive upbeat, which is exactly the feeling I would hope to have as I was moving on to my final resting place and reliving my fondest memories. 
Track six, I Don't Love You is an emotionally charged song. The song is the closest the band gets to a power ballad breakup song. It is placed in the album well, and kind of brings you down from the adrenaline rush of Welcome to the Black Parade. It features some of the most classic rock guitar on the album. Fans of The Marvelous Three, like me, will see how far ahead of the time they were. The song sounds like something The Marvelous Three could have written. Cancer Track 8 was a little hard for me to listen to. Having had cancer myself and lost a few family members to it, the song accurately articulates the heartache, the loss, and pain associated with this diagnosis. Probably one of their slower tracks on the album, it relies heavily on the use of piano to drive the mood home. As the song says many times, because the hardest part of this is leaving you. With track nine, Ma- Mama, uh, I just have to say it reminds me of the Doors song and the Alabama song. To my surprise, I had actually heard track 11, Teenagers, also. There is so much classic rock in this song, it's hard not to love it. The guitar riffs, the vocal style, the chorus, right in my wheelhouse, and I very much appreciate it. Blending elements of uh, emo, pop rock, and arena rock, the Black Parade really comes together to create a powerful experience. The band, over the last few years, had cited a few reasons for breaking up. One being they felt this album was going to be hard to top. Another being Barack Obama was president and things just felt calm, so they didn't think they were needed anymore. I think we will all agree that things aren't calm anymore over the last few years. Yes. So the question we asked ourselves, would I have bought this for myself? The answer is probably not. This band just wasn't something that was ever really on my radar. Will I be keeping it? The answer is, oh, hell yes. This album is beginning to end amazing. At no point was I bored. This album is all killer, no filler. Out of all the things that you have ever got me, I can say that nothing has invoked such a strong feeling in me. This album will be earned its place in my heaviest of rotations. I was going to say, this is one that I would expect to be pretty high up there for you. I've listened to it several times, actually, since yeah. you gave it to me. Which is good, which is kind of what we aim to do. Yeah. So, uh, let's go right to your review, and we'll skip uh, what we're doing for next time until we're done with the review. All right, so I got a little bit of a different uh, pickup here. I straight up forgot what I got you as well. <laughs> so I got um, Tenacious D. Oh, yes. Their debut uh, self-titled album. Um, this is a CD I owned back in the day. <laughs> that you lost, right? Yeah, I lost it. It's, it's somewhere <laughs> with my Snoop Dogg record. <laughs> Um, so this is their 2001 debut album uh, from the duo comprised of Jack Black and Kyle Gass. They have two singles that were released from the album, uh, Wonder Boy and Tribute, which they call a tribute to the greatest rock song of all time, which they call Stairway to Heaven. Uh, so from what I know of these guys, all I can remember are funny parody type songs. But this album kind of surprised me. I thought they were talented before this, but this stuff is actually really good. Uh, it opens with Kilbasa, which is a funkadelic song about a sausage. I'll let your mind run free with that. Um, yes, it's definitely about just the sausage. <laughs> right? uh, there's such a great bass line in this song, too, that you can't help but tap along with it. Uh, the second track is more of a skit. Jack tells Kyle to play one note over and over, and they poke fun at each other. I can hear that in my head right now. <laughs> yep. You just gotta bend it. Yep. <laughs> uh, trivia is the third song. This is hilarious. It's reminiscent of uh, the story told in Devil Went Down to Georgia. Some monster stops them, talks, uh, stops them on the road, plays, 
and uh, tasks them with playing the greatest song in the world. Going back, it's tribute, not trivia. I don't know where that came from. That's okay. Um, just so happens that the song they play is Stairway to Heaven. Um, so the extended video version, I think they get into a ring and they start wrestling. Um, and there's just a bunch of tricks and stuff. And they play more of the song than just the few notes that you get on the album. Did you uh, look up the original version of the song? Yep. So eventually, originally this was an HBO, I want to say, skit so. is what it was. And the original version of the song, they actually play Stairway to Heaven in it. In this version, they do not. I think they play like the opening three notes or something where you kind of get that that's what they're hinting to. Right. So this is, uh, if you follow the story of the song, it's they're not playing the song that they played. For you, they're playing a tribute to the song that they played. <laughs> right. Uh, one thing that is apparent is that these guys are super talented and they're also super creative. Uh, I hope they do all the songwriting themselves because that would make it so much better. Um, I'm not sure if they want the music or the stories to be in the forefront either, which honestly isn't really a bad thing. That's something that gets lost in quite a bit of modern music. Um, in Wonder Boy, you hear almost like a Metallica-type sample. I think I remember them playing that song on late shows, too. Wonder Boy? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Probably one of the only songs they could play on <laughs> Right. Uh, the next skit is kind of odd, but you can't help but laugh. And it leads right into the next song, which is a love ballad about remaining gentle. <laughs> I'll let you look up the track listing for that one. Um, the other thing I love about these guys is that they clearly do not care what anybody thinks about their songs or their music. And they're really just making it to make what they like and what they think is funny and what they think is cool. Uh, for example, Explosivo is a song that they don't know what the song is about, but they think it's really awesome and they just jam to it. Their friendship has, oh, sorry. Then the song Friendship has a system of a down toxicity sound to it. Uh, you can tell they are pulling some of influences from other bands and artists into their stuff too, which is really cool. This album is a few things. It's put together very well. It's produced very well and it has great musical quality. It's also funny. For our regular questions, is it something I would have bought for myself? Honestly, Probably not. I wouldn't have even thought to look for it. This is one that you see while you're flipping through and you're like, oh, I should try that. Um, will I keep it? Absolutely. I also listen to this one pretty frequently. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a CD I bought on a whim many, many years ago and I loved it instantly. I think I played it three, four times the week that I got it because it yeah. was just so good. Yeah, absolutely. Not appropriate for young children. No. No, not at all. So uh, if you've been a fan of us, you know that once in a while we try to mix things up a little bit. Yes. So early on, uh, we did an episode where we went to an antique mall, and instead of picking out a brand new record, we picked out some used, used records. So we're going to do something similar to that just to kind of keep things fresh. The last episode we mentioned, we're going to pick music-related movies for the other person. So we're going to watch it, and then we'll review it. And then chances are, probably the episode after that, we'll probably go back to what we normally do. Right. So, so Aaron, your movie that I've picked for you is the John Cusack classic, High Fidelity. Which I know absolutely nothing about, other than that John Cusack is in it. 
Sure. So I'll tell you why I picked that for you after you watch it. Okay. So sounds good. And then for you, uh, we picked straight out of Compton, the biopic kind of describing their rise, their fall, their breakup, um, the death row side of things, all that kind of stuff. Um, Rocket Man was a close second. Yeah. Rocket Man I had actually already seen, so that was ultimately why we chose not to do that. Yeah. So So we'll do a uh, movie review, uh, probably talk about why it's musically significant, why uh, they were, you know, particularly meaningful for us to pick for the other person, and we'll let you know what we think. Yeah. So. It's exciting. We are not movie critics, though, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. Don't definitely be too not. harsh on us. <laughs> Don't be too harsh on us. So, um, just a reminder, we got a Facebook page. You can always check us out on. Uh, feel free to tell your friends about us. Uh, we love you guys. We enjoy doing this. This isn't something we make a ton of money off of. We actually make zero money. We probably lose money off it. Mm-hmm. We're glad we're back. We're glad we're back. I'm sure we'll probably... Uh, when it opens, be telling you all kinds of things about our new record store. Um, you know, if you are experiencing this whole scenario where your record store is shutting down, that's a hard thing. It is. It is. Yeah, it's a big loss. I mean, there's great groups online where you can go and check out in the meantime, like stuff like the Second Chance Record Group. Um, just be mindful because not all these groups are honest. Some of them will gouge you terribly. Mm-hmm. So know what you're paying for. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's always discogs. Don't forget to buy straight from band websites too. That's something that both of us have been doing a little more frequently too. And yeah, it never disappoints. Yeah, sometimes um, things like um, Easy Eye Sound, Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys um, label, they'll do cool things like really for the same price, they'll send you a special color that you can only get from there. And sometimes they'll have them autographed. And you get special goodies in the boxes, too, usually. Right. Stickers, autographed pictures, posters, things like that. Usually the smaller the band, the harder they are trying to make you happy. Right. So take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, if you're super desperate and you live in a really isolated area, you can go to like Walmart, Target. They all sell on records. Their selection is very, very little right now. Be careful on the Facebook marketplace. There's a lot of people out there trying to take advantage of you on there as well. And Amazon pe- has them. Amazon is usually cheap too. Their, their shipping is okay. <laughs> their packaging is. is if you not. like, ro- if you like rolling on the dice and you might want to get some damaged, you might not. All right, that's a good place. Um, and then, uh, of course, eBay. eBay tends to be expensive as well. Um, you can do like online postings just just be careful protect yourself right so know what you're paying for yeah for sure so but we'll leave you with that parting bit of wisdom and the last thing we want to tell you is thank you for hanging with us and always remember there's always more vinyl there's always more vinyl